0: To our, our study of the questions uh, or the lessons from Jesus questions, uh, that, you know, I I have thoroughly enjoyed studying this, reading this, preparing for this. This is a hundred percent, I guess I'll go with original, not I don't mean that bad, but like this doesn't come out of a booklet, this doesn't come out of a series that another pastor or individual has written, it's just uh, expositional, it's just coming out of scripture, what the Lord has shown me, I'm, I get the opportunity to share share with you all, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Today we're going to talk specifically about Blind Bartimaeus. Now I've put the, uh, there's two slides that look like this, so a little bit of an eye chart, you might not be able to see, it's just the references, so if you want to turn Turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. It is also on your uh, on your um, your notes, but I'd, I'd encourage you at least to to read along, you know, uh, with me as I as I read it out loud. But Luke, we're going to look at Luke chapter 18 and Mark chapter Mark chapter 10. But specifically in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35. Uh, And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, Jesus, uh, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? So that's the question we're looking at today. What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I, might, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee and immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. Now jump over to Mark chapter 10. And some of you know that you've been in here and we talk about contrasts. There's two different accounts here. There's some things that are similar, some things that are different. You might want to mark those down. Certainly don't have to, but as we pick it up in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46, and he came, uh, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. It's a little bit different, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So we're, we're going to talk about some of the differences today. You may remember that. Oh, um, well, sorry, I should have advanced that. Uh, that you know we're gonna we're gonna take kind of two phases to each each of the to each of these messages. The first phase is kind of what we can learn of about scripture and studying scripture, and then the second are the specific lessons from the story, but just notice the mark account of the story (coughs) includes the name of the blind (laughs) beggar. Did you pick that up? That in one, he was actually called Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, right? In the other, he's actually not referenced by name, right? Blind Bartimaeus, Um, but both include the location of Jericho. Both. And reference the city of Jericho so our our series study point today so the series so we're on series number or uh, study number four the names and locations in the Bible often further illustrate the lesson okay you can glean more about the story by looking at names and in some cases many cases locations so the Jericho the word uh, actually, kind of has two connotations. The the city of Jericho kind of has two connotations. One is talks about the moon. The other aspect of it, and you know, some words in in the English language kind of have multiple applications. And and it's not too too different in in Hebrew or or even Greek, which in this case was came out of the Hebrew because Jericho is a Hebrew word. Uh, but it also means fragrant. And it's interesting because uh, it's presumed that there's uh, that this word fragrant comes, uh, it has been associated with Jericho because of the number of trees and they produce an aromatic resin that is harvested and used for medicinal purposes. So you could go and you could, you could Google this if you want, but they, they literally go and they'll put these little cut marks uh, on, on trees and the, the the resin, I mean, you've probably seen that if you've walked through the woods or if you've, you know, done any kind of clearing of brush sometimes. You you know, you'll cut a tree or whatever or, or see one that's been broken and there's a little bit of resin uh, or sap that has, has hardened, right? That resin of these trees in and around Jericho are used for medicinal purposes. Matter of fact, when you look at... Genesis 37, Ezekiel 27, and Jer- uh, Jeremiah 8, uh, a- there's actually a reference to the balm that is made from this resin. Okay, So you remember in Genesis 37, right, the Ishmaelites that came well, they're they're gonna uh, they basically purchase uh, um, Joseph right and, and he goes into slavery right. But they came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh. So it was actually a trade, a tradable, a sellable balm that they made from this resin. In Ezekiel 27, t- referencing Judah and the land of Israel, they were thy they were thy merchants. They traded in thy market wheat of Maneth. And, and a penag and honey and oil and balm. So you know, it's reference to the the balms, the medicinal balms that could be made. And then obviously in Jeremiah 8, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? So there's actually uh, kind of a, 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 a connotation here about Jericho being a place where people would go to uh, seek healing, Right. We we vacate or we uh, well we have vacation there, but we honeymooned in around uh, Glenwood Springs, Colorado. I don't know if you've ever been to Glenwood Springs, but that's where the hot springs are. There's hot springs all around the country in different places, but in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, there's a specific hot springs. There's a huge pool actually, a uh, community pool that is uh, you know warm <laughs> because of the hot springs, and there's different places you can go and actually sit in these hot springs and. And maybe they do have medicinal purposes or medicinal benefits i don 't know, but for generations, people have thought they 've had medicinal purposes and, and help, and so they would go and they would sit in the hot springs. I mean if nothing else, it probably just made them feel better, right ease the back, it just you know helps with the with the joints, et cetera, you know kind of like a natural hot tub so there's been areas in in our history and people's the history of people that have been attracted. Uh, attraction attractions for healing purposes and Jericho is kind of sealing uh, serving that purpose here we don't really think of Jericho in that light we always kind of think of the walls falling down in that light, but this balm of Gilead comes from from that area so it's uh, there's a presumption I, I can't be dogmatic about this but there's that people came to that area to be healed if they couldn't otherwise afford to trade in the balm, right, or trade in those kinds of things. So it was an attraction. So it's certainly possible that blind Bartimaeus is looking for healing but not finding it. Again, I can't be dogmatic. I'm drawing an extrapolation from that. I am using inductive, right, reasoning, inductive Bible study to draw that conclusion. But I think it's I think it's an interesting contrast that in both stories the Lord specifically calls out in scripture the city of Jericho, right? I think there's some there's some value, there's something to be gleaned from the fact that Bartimaeus was unable to find what he needed healing for his sight in Jericho. We also see his name Bartimaeus. So the son of Timaeus. Liter- the name literally means son of the unclean and his dad had the wonderful name of unclean. It's kind of like, you know, instead of uh, in- instead of, you know, saying hi Nathan, what's up stinky? Uh, right? I mean, I, I, I didn't smell him this morning, I didn't get that close. We shook hands from a, a reasonable distance, but, but, but that people have had names like this And I don't know the history of Timaeus and why he is called unclean, but Bartimaeus is the son of the unclean. There is a lesson to be learned about the fact that Bartimaeus is unclean and he needs healing from a savior, right? He needs healing from the savior. If you'll notice, this is a little bit of a a doctrinal implication that in... Um, Mark chapter 10, he is referred to as blind Bartimaeus. So the blind son of the unclean, right? Uh, and notice, and he said unto him, now jumping all the way down to the end of the passage, and Jesus unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole, right? There is this contrast between unclean and whole. Jesus didn't just say you will receive your sight. Your faith has made thee whole. And and that is a big part of the salvation concept yeah. is that we didn't just lose our sin in salvation. Because, I mean, God knows I still carry mine around. He keeps taking care of it. Right. But he made me whole. And that, that's a that's a different thing. But it's the same thing all at the same time. Right. And so... So Bartimaeus is literally made whole. The unclean is made whole. What a beautiful picture, right? Now it's just that, it's kind of a, a beautiful picture. So the names and locations can provide insight or color to the story, right? You have color commentators on sports saying, well, that was not a very good tackle. He needs to do a better job or that was a great play and yeah, you know, the second baseman was just in the right position, whatever, right? They provide color to what you just saw, usually by someone who's in the know or an expert, right? But rarely do these things become the basis of doctrine. You need to be careful here. It provides, provides additional clarification but you probably shouldn't take your doctrine just from the names in the situation. They can build, they can add to the to the to the to the breadth or depth of the story. But be careful. I have seen people who try to come up with doctrinal statements out of the applications of names. And there and there are a few situations like that where the, the names are really doctrinally. Uh, have had strong doctrinal implications and here you can say well the son of the unclean made whole is kind of a doctrine it is but that's kind of a second layer to the story right it's a it's it's a feel-good it's an inspirational aspect as compared to more of a doctrinal aspect but they also do not definitively influence the story okay there aren't they. They aren't always included in the story. We actually just saw in the two accounts, Bartimaeus. The word Bartimaeus is not even mentioned in the other account, right? And you could, because if you're not careful, if you try to say, well, the name definitively means that. We saw a contrast. You may have picked up the contrast at the end of the the passage that when Jesus said to him, "Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee." So in one, uh, in in Luke's account, he's saved, and in Mark's account, he's made whole. Same same. There's not a doctrinal error there, right? Same same. But if you're not careful, you could say, well, the unclean can only be made whole. The unclean can't be made it sa- can't be saved or something. See what I'm saying? You got to be careful with the logic flow. Okay. the The whole of Scripture provides clarity, it provides color, but just be mindful of that, okay? So as we go on now to the second half of our lesson, so we always try to start with, in this series, we're trying to start with that kind of series study point, a tool for you to be able to study scripture with a little more depth, right? Our first lesson of today is that different people have different perspectives of needs, I mean, here is a guy that's blind. Bartimaeus is sitting there or is, he's, he's, he's begging, right? He needs, he's blind. He wants to be able to see. We don't know if he lost his sight, if he was born this, uh, born this way. We don't have enough uh, information on that. But what we know is that he's calling out, acknowledging Christ's authority, asking for mercy. He's not just reaching to a random person. He knows that when he hears that it's Jesus, he gives him uh, an appropriate designation. He actually calls him um, the thou son of David, right? This is a different reference, but he he uses that same word or same phrase, thou son of David. That is an authoritative position. He is acknowledging that this this guy can help me. So, Bartimaeus acts when he hears that it's Jesus, he calls out acknowledging Christ's authority and asks not specifically initially for his sight, but asks for mercy. He asks for mercy. And he saw his need as worth taking a risk for, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. He saw that, look, whatever happens in this situation, it's worth me yelling matter of fact so much so when he's told not to he's kind of rebuked or he's charged not to and we'll talk we'll look about uh, at those folks in just a moment but when he's told not to do that what's he do he doubles down <clears throat> it's like oh somebody's trying to stop me i'm so close here i'm going to double down maybe he was trying to overcome their their uh noise that their their voices that were maybe drowning out his ability to actually connect to earth or reach jesus right but notice that this thou son of david we also see this happen in another passage completely not related to bartimaeus directly but matthew chapter 9 and when jesus departed thence two blind men followed him crying and saying thou son of david have mercy on us i don't know if this was a little bit of a thing that people did around Jesus? I I don't know. But what I do know is that acknowledging his authority, his position, and asking for mercy is probably something we should do more. When we have a need, I think, I'll, I'll speak for me. When we have a need, when I have a need, I often approach God with logic, you know, if you would take this away, I could do this for you. Or, you know, it w- I, w- I could be a better father if I didn't have this going on. I can maybe be a better mom to my kids if I didn't have back pain, right? And that's none of that's bad. None of it's bad to approach God and to try to compel. There's actually lots of, or a good number of stories in Scripture where people kind of, kind of negotiate with God, right? But I'm telling you, the best is just to throw yourself at the mercy of the court and say, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what that shows is that you're totally trusting that whatever he does is good because of his nature and is right because he knows our frame, right? He knows what I need versus Yonda, versus Erica, versus you know Chris, he knows what all of us need differently, right? So instead of saying, I think I know what I need best, right? Thou son of David, have mercy on me, right? And we actually see that play out. Again, we'll get to that more in just a moment because Jesus then asks him, what do you want? That's not an interaction that I'm usual, I'm, I'm, that I'm used to in, with, my, with my interactions with the Lord. Normally it's kind of like, well, I've got a list. I need you to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this in my life. And, and I kind of would like you to do this, 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 and this in the lives of the, my brothers and sisters of Christ that I love. You know, as compared to just kind of throwing myself at his feet, not that that's what Bartimaeus specifically does, but conceptually, he just throws himself at the feet of the Lord and says, just have mercy on me, Amen. Right. The disciples and the multitude actually charge him and rebuke him. And I think it's kind of interesting. they saw the interruption as a problem and not worth the time. And I think about this passage, the passage of the Good Samaritan, a lot in ministry. And I may have done this with you all at some point. There a certain man Now this is a parable, right? A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Interesting. And fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Reminds me of a story. It actually reminds me of a joke. <laughs> A man, uh, man rubs a, 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 a bottle, a, 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 a bottle, does genie come out of a bottle? Yeah, a bottle. Yeah, a, bottle. a, lamp. a, lamp. Yeah, a lamp. That's the word thank you. Thank you for being here. Rubs, a, <laughs> <laughs> that the that's like. With small kids still, you know. it, it's a bottle on the, I dream of genie. Genie, that's yeah. where it's coming from. So you rub you the lamp, <laughs> the genie comes out and says, I will give you three wishes, but whatever you get, your mother-in-law gets double. So the first guy says, I want a billion dollars. And he says, fine, but your mother-in-law is gonna get two billion. He's like, that's fine. He's like, I want 50 sports cars. That's fine, but your mother-in-law is gonna get two, or 200 sports cars, whatever it was, right? Twice as much. And he's like, be careful, you only have one wish left. He said, beat me half to death. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You knew it, saw coming, no? Okay. (laughs) But a bum (laughs) I'll go back into teaching mode and off of comedic mode Um, every time I read this passage though I think about that joke, every time so they beat him, leaving him half dead, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side of the road, right he goes around him, rather than getting involved in the situation and likewise a Levite when he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side Right? But the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, actually takes the time to minister. And I learned this a while back, and I'm, I'm still learning it, if you will. I, I got the head knowledge. Sometimes I don't put it in play. That the ministry is right in front of you, not what you have planned. Okay, So I can literally, and this is the part where I may have done this with you, and, and, and I am sorry if I have. I can leave service, know that I need to print out the sheets and get over here to minister. And along the way, someone will stop me that needs to be ministered to in some way. And I'm kind of like mentally past them and it's not right. And the Lord's convicted me on it and the Lord continues to convict me. Now I have to be careful because some people, Satan will actually use people to derail ministry with conversations and those sorts of things, and he may have used you in that situation, and he may have used me in your life in that situation. I don't know. So we have to still be wise, but we can't look past the ministry that's in front of us, right? There was a clear need here, and the disciples, these multitude, are literally like, we don't have time for you, blind man. He's gotta get places and heal people. Like, uh, hey. I mean that almost doesn't make sense. Like, but, but you can I kind of see it playing out. Jesus is very important. He's going from town to town, healing people. Get out of his way. Stop, stop confusing him. We have an agenda. I am his handler. He has to be here at three o'clock. You know he has to, he's going to eat with this person. You know, and and we've got to be very careful that we don't allow the structure of ministry to get in the way of the life of ministry. Right. Amen. And so this is actually what's playing out. The perspective here: different people have different perspectives of needs. Their needs was to take care of Jesus, right? You know, they didn't want him to get too close. Don't confuse him. Don't yell at him. Jesus should not be yelled at, kind of thing, right? Don't you know who you're talking to? Well, yeah, I just call him Son of David. <laughs> like I know he has authority. <laughs> you know. So their perspectives of Bartimaeus' needs are actually pretty low, are pretty, like, they looked right at this dude who's blind and thought, Jesus has got important things to do. I'm sure Bartimaeus is like, sight's kind of important, right? So the perspectives are, are really interesting here to me. And then Jesus stands still and commanded him to be brought unto him right so it's kind of referenced a little bit different in into the in the two stories but he elevates the need that his perception so jesus has a perception that bartimaeus has a need right he knew this was going to happen but he stops he's sending a message to the people around him and then and if you notice in the one passage then they're like oh oh you're you're good hold that you know um uh, be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. It's like, oh, now the agenda's change because Jesus says stop and bring it. It's like, oh, well, you know, everybody else move out of the way. He can get past the velvet ropes. Um, so Jesus elevates the need now to an action and he desires to remove the obstacles in our life if the repentant sinner wishes to approach him. That's not necessarily the, the most eloquent way of saying it. But he wants to make sure that a repentant sinner who desires mercy from the son of David, the one that has authority to heal and to forgive sins, like everything else stops. For the king of the universe will stop at the repentant sinner. That's like, amen. That is amazing to me. That Jesus is willing to... There's not literally nothing more important to him in that moment than the reconnection with his creation. That's so beautiful to me. Notice in Matthew tw- in chapter 20, 31 and 32, And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. And they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us. This is the same passage we were looking at. O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said... What will ye that I shall do unto you? So this is like a pattern of Jesus. You would think that the disciples and multitude would be more attentive to what Jesus has as an agenda than what they have as an agenda. We have to be real careful. That's our our human nature in ministry. Our human nature in ministry is to, to look past the immediate need to what we thought was, or maybe even what God convicted us as the need, right? Like, like I I have, and I am, I mean, just, I'm sarcasm coming out here, like when I walk from the, the congregation, or from the end of, end of service to here, I've got important work ahead of me. And I, I mean, I am, I guess it's serious, but I'm like, I've got important work. I still don't know where that comes from. But, <laughs> I, you know, I've got important work, everybody out of my way. But if there is somebody that needs to be dealt with up front, if there's a pastor that looks at me like like today, I was doing something and a pastor stopped me and interacted about a specific situation from the from the retreat this weekend, it was important that we talked about that. We have to be careful of the perspectives of needs. Jesus saw the need as, hey, it's important this guy gets what he needs. It was really important. So the second lesson is the moment of interaction with Christ literally can change everything. Literally can change everything. To go from being a, a, a blind beggar to a dude with sight is kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. I have had the opportunity to, to m- many of you know, maybe most of you know, that, I, that I've been involved in artificial limbs and corrective braces and that sort of thing uh, through my career. And I've had the opportunity to do some ministry internationally that way, or at least uh, just through the medical uh, side of it. But, but there's kind of this, this tone in the medical community, especially around those with disabilities in third, third world countries. That if you can get them a leg, a prosthesis to walk with, or a hand, you know, a, a hand to to function, to use their other hand, or you can get them up walking again with braces, or even in some cases a wheelchair, you will literally save their life. Yeah. Literally, because they are not just second-class citizens; they're seen kind of, in many cases, equivalent to animals. Like God didn't see it enough. Value in them to give them a fully functioning body. And it's a horrific perspective. It's a horrific perspective. But what I have found is that if you can change a few things, sometimes you can change everything about their life. And I can't help but think that a dude that goes from being blind to seeing, like nothing is the same ever, ever again. Now, Jesus didn't change everything about him, but he changed everything about him. And our encounter, the reality is, when people get saved, people get saved in in, and around our ministry and other ministries all the time, and they get up the next day and they go to work, working the same job. You know, they go home to the same family, same house, same apartment, whatever. Nothing's changed, but everything's changed. Right. And so the moment of interaction with Christ literally can change everything. Notice he came near to Jesus. Near is not a a mistake here. Uh, Notice some of these other references. Then uh, drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. If you want to hear the Lord, you need to draw near or nigh to him. The farther you are away from him the more other things can get in the way. Noise filters. You can mishear. I was talking to somebody downstairs this morning and they were saying something and I could not hear them because of some of the other noise and things that were going on. The farther away I was from them, the harder it was. I eventually got close enough to them where I could hear, clearly hear them, right? Uh, in Luke 19 and verse 41, and when he was come near, and beheld the city, and wept over it. Proximity, nearness, allows you to see things for what they are, right? So you can hear, you can see it for what it is. Notice in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That happens when we draw near to Christ. When you draw near. Now there's different ways practically to draw near to Christ prayer reading and studying his word even ministry will allow you to draw near to Christ. I, I actually believe this. I'm not sure I can prove it doctrinally but the Lord speaks to me as much as the time I spend in his word as when I am ministering. When I'm ministering in the spirit at least let me rephrase it. When I'm ministering in the spirit I literally can hear it's not like an audible but he's like don't don't go there don't do that do this like it's it's a it it's a guiding of the holy spirit that i don't get going out to eat and we debate like what was it yeah last night we came you know we came home from the retreat and tired and just a lot going on and it's like I, I think i even joked about this at the retreat like our worst fights are where we're going to have dinner um <laughs> no it's your turn to choose no i chose last time it's your turn to choose um it's not it's not like that she she beats me up um, but <laughs> you all don't you just don't see the marks i have on me from her but where was i what was i what was i even saying <laughs> You were coming home the retreat, and you were... Oh, yeah, I don't get any guidance, thank you both. I don't get any guidance from the Holy Spirit on where we should have had dinner last night. Like, I got nothing from him. Maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe I wasn't in the Spirit. But he wasn't like, call
1: first.
0: Call first. It, uh, There was no, like... But when I'm ministering, when I'm really in uh, trying to minister and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to love on you and I'm trying to understand your needs and how to solve those needs, how to help you through that, to point you back to Scripture, to, to encourage you in the Word, encourage you in your relationship with the Lord. Like, there's a guidance that I that I don't get to go to Culver's, which is where we went. Um, <laughs> and then the encounter with Christ, the, the aspect of the encounter with Christ that's really interesting is that Jesus gave him an opportunity To communicate his need. he gave him an opportunity. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And I think this is, I don't want to go too far afield here. Because this might be Mitch intermeddling. And not the Holy Spirit. But I think Jesus gives us enough rope. Whether to tie a knot to hang on or to proverbially hang ourselves. Because some people come to Christ and he's like what wilt thou have you know what what wilt that i shall do unto thee and they'll say things like i really need to get out of debt and he's like you're not ready Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or i really need to get out of this legal situation (laughs) or i really need to find a different place to live or i really need to do and he's like no i've got a big problem i'm blind and i need to see like just be careful when the Lord opens the door for that communication, which by the way, it's really open most of the time, but when he calls you, remember the context, right? He has called blind Bartimaeus to him. The world in essence has stopped. Like the angels of heaven are looking at this moment and blind Bartimaeus doesn't say, I could use a few bucks. Right? I mean, talk about the moment of the movie where it goes, Right? No. It crescendos, Lord, that I might see. I might receive my sight. Right? So be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and or by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now if you need to get out of debt, ask him to help you, give you wisdom and, and a, a job or a second job or a better job or uh, help you with controlling discipline, controlling your spending, like whatever the situation is, right? That if that's what you're bringing to the Lord, that that's okay. You can ask, but don't miss the the big one of salvation or of walking in the spirit. But, but notice in Matthew 6, 8, be ye not therefore like unto them for your father knoweth what needs ye have of before you ask of him like you can't lose sight of the fact that Jesus asks the question both as God and as man knowing what blind Bartimaeus's biggest need was like it doesn't take it doesn't take the wisdom the eternal wisdom of Jesus to realize this dude's blind and probably wants to be healed of his blindness Right? I mean, it doesn't, but but yet he still calls that question. Do not be afraid to ask your father, ask of your father what you need, but don't miss the mark by asking for something tri- in my humble opinion, by asking for something trivial. Then he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight Now it's real interesting in 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 the passages here, um, and I'm trying to look back up at the verses. uh, And so he says, "What wilt thou uh, that I shall do unto thee?" And he said, "Lord, that I may receive my sight." And Jesus said unto him, "Receive thy sight." And jump down a little bit, and immediately he received his sight. Uh, And if we look at the Mark passage. you look at the mark passage uh, the blind man said unto him lord that i might receive my sight and jesus said him thy faith is made the whole and immediately he received his sight like i don't think we can jump over the fact that he receives his sight he received matter of fact it happens in other scriptures you can see them the blind receive their sight and nine even outside the gospels that he might receive his sight and talking about Saul, Paul, that thou mightest receive thy sight, brother Saul, uh, receive thy sight, uh, kind of a reference back. You receive, this is like, this is Twitter worthy. Get get out your Twitter account because Dobson just came up with an amazing quote. You receive what's given to you, right? You don't earn that, you receive what's given to you. And he's, he's asking to receive his sight. The other thing that's really interesting, that, that I think is extremely interesting, is notice in the contrast in Matthew chapter 11, verse 5. I, I, we just referenced it. The blind receive their sight. But notice that reception, that receiving of something, doesn't apply to the other disabilities listed. The lame walk, they don't receive ambulation, <laughs> right? The deaf, the lepers are cleansed that they don't receive healing or cleaning. The deaf don't receive their hearing. The dead are don't receive life. I just think it's real interesting and I, I don't feel like we can avoid it. It's listed so many times here and in these two passages. Both in what Bartimaeus says and what Jesus said in response about receiving sight, why is it? Because the way your I think the way your eyes work is that light engages I don't know something rods or cones or something in the back of your head or back of your eyes. Actually, not the back of your head. That'd be weird. In the back of your eyes that convert to electrical signal that your brain can process as sight. You receive the ability. You all. Every time you open your eyes, receive sight because the light, and here's a spiritual application, the light of God reflects in and through you so that you can understand. It's fundamentally different than walking, being cleansed, hearing, being risen, the poor have the gospel preached. Like, it's different. You receive sight. I had a whole like whole thing about this but it lords like no another time cuz there's a whole lot going on there. And then lesson number 3, assessing the impact of the encounter with Christ. With Christ, assessing the impact. The command, so there's a command to go and then a contrast by Bartimaeus to follow. So notice Jesus actually says, go um In in the Mark account, Mark chapter 10, uh, toward the end, I didn't have my verse references here, sorry. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus in the way. And there's kind of an interesting pattern in scripture where Jesus heals people and sends them away. Like our encounter here is done. But yet they choose to follow him and i do not think that's a mistake. He is willing just to save you from your sins. He is willing just to restore and to give you uh, restore life to you and give you eternal life. You choose whether you're going to follow him or not. Yeah. You choose whether that change in your life is now going to be enough that you're going to pursue a relationship with him. I've always wondered about that. Why Jesus is like don't go and don't tell anybody. And yet then they go and they tell people or they follow him or whatever. And Jesus, I really believe is saying, if the only thing you want from me is eternal life, I'm willing to give you just that. But boy, if you would follow, he doesn't wanna say, just follow me in these circumstances. It's almost always associated with with healing. It's very, very interesting. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We're actually called to follow him. But we're called to follow him not in the emotion of receiving our sight, receiving our spiritual sight, or being cleansed. That's a separate decision. That's why in this church, we, if somebody comes up front and gets saved... We will mention cost of discipleship. We'll talk about cost of discipleship, but we don't whip out a form and say, you need to sign up for cost of discipleship in two weeks. You better be there, right? It's a separate decision. They have to be ready for that. Because the like if we're not, the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to go to the class. They're not going to, or maybe not the only thing, but one tangible outcome is some people go to the class. They're not ready for it. They get signed up in discipleship, and then they don't. It, it falters, right? And then we've kind of wasted a lot of people's signs because they were never ready for that. But Jesus does command us to do it, but it's a separate encounter with him. And Jesus said to him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So we're told both to go in Matthew 28, but also to follow. We're literally in the same situation that Bartimaeus is in. Jesus looks at and says, okay, go go, live, live this new life and come follow me, but they're different at, at different times. And then the faith, the, a restoration that's based, based on faith. We touched on this very briefly at the beginning. There's a English difference between the word whole and saved. Doctrinally it's the same thing. By being saved we are restored. We are literally made whole. Now whole in this case implied a lack of that was restored, right? He was, or he was given his sight, right? In this case, it was vision, the ability to see. Saved implies salvation of the soul. I don't know if Bartimaeus at that moment was saved doctrinally. I know Jesus hadn't been on the cross yet, hadn't resurrected yet. It's different than what we deal with today. But notice the same thing is manifested in two different ways. A saved person doctorally in the church age, it has been made whole. And that's the beauty. I've, I've known a, a handful of blind Christians and they are every bit as whole as me. I've met disabled, uh, you know, paralyzed, uh, people with amputations, people with you know, other deformities, weaknesses, mental, cognitive, physical, all sorts of different things. And if they're saved, they're every bit as whole. Because we're not whole until we're re- fully redeemed. Just because I have the ability to walk upright with two legs and go and do doesn't make me more whole. It's like infinitely whole. And the difference is uh, it's like going to the top. of I, How tall is Mount Everest? Anybody know? How much? 320 feet. How much? 29,320. Okay. 29,320. Okay. I I believe you. We're going to run with 29,320. It's the difference between 29,320 and 29,319. Is the view any different? Not really. I mean, you could say, hey, I want, to, I want to be at the top of the mountain. I didn't like all this way to not make it to the top, right? But the view is not different. The view is not different. And and both, notice, both require faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, right? Faith is the integral component in being made whole or being saved. And then his glorifying God caused other people to praise. Notice Psalm 107 Um, specifically in verse 31. Oh, well, actually, Psalm 107 is the one that repeats this several times. I think it's five or six, seven times there. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Notice that we can praise God for what he does in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one of the coolest things. I am kind of looking forward to being a grandparent. I mean, we're not there yet. Like, if I got that news today, I wouldn't be necessarily thrilled. I'm looking forward to being a grandparent because I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how my children can have children, right? I'm looking forward, but I also look forward to what God is doing in other people's lives. Like I genuinely rejoice when God does something in your life. Like that's cool to me, right? And notice and they glorified God and me and Paul's talking. They glorified God and me. So there's different, just in summary, there were different perspectives, and then the encounter with Christ that changed literally everything, and then that resulted in an impactful change, a very impactful change. And my prayer for you is that you would understand that we all have deficits. If your deficit is the fact that you can't earn your way to heaven because you can't, if you don't have a savior, you need—that's number one. That's a one. Your biggest problem. You need to deal with that first. Please grab me after class if that's the—if if you do not like, it, we will take care of getting you home. We will make sure that everything else works out. That is like the biggest thing. Now, if you have a savior in the Lord, and you have another need, He is absolutely willing to take care of it. But He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to follow him. Let's pray.